You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. He says, whatever gives birth to flesh is flesh. Whatever gives birth to spirit is spirit. You must be born of water and of the spirit. Water is your natural birth. That's your human parents. But Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't matter how much you believe in God, how much you attend the church, how much you talk about God, uh, even read the Bible, none of those things. No, unless you've been born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. In today's culture, there tends to be an underlying theme of universalism. Universalism is the belief that essentially means that all roads lead to salvation of some kind or another. But in today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that there's only one true Savior, Jesus. Jesus was a real person who died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. No one else has, nor can they. There's one road that leads to salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there is hope, but not just in anything. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter three, as he begins his message, surprising truths about Jesus's family. Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, and as you find the place, the subject matter from Mark 3 was very important, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, also called the unpardonable sin. If you missed it and it'd be helpful for you in understanding that or somebody else you know, you can get that. It's available online. Uh, Or if you want a hard copy, you can certainly get that as well. Jesus is causing such a commotion that his family... Uh, Mother Mary, his siblings, uh, think he's lost his marbles. And so they come intending to take him back home because they think he's lost it. Somewhere along the line, Joseph, not the biological father of Jesus, but the father who raised him, we know Mary conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Joseph had no part in that. And somewhere along the line, Joseph disappears. We are not given the details in the Bible or in historical records. We don't know if he died. We don't know what happened. Last time we see him in scripture um, is when Jesus stayed back after one of the feasts uh, there with his family, and he stays back in Jerusalem, and uh, Joseph and Mary don't know he's gone for a period of time. And when they realize it, then you say, well, how did they not know? Because they had such large families traveling together uh, that distance, and they were walking most of, mostly. And so you're with your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, et cetera. And so they're thinking, well, he's with some of the other family members. And they realize he's gone. If you know the story, they go back and they question him because he's there debating with the teachers of the law uh, and 
They say, why have you treated us like this? Why did you stay back? He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house and about my father's business? That's the last time we have a record of Joseph. And when now this scene happens, it's Mary and Jesus's siblings. Uh, we are given the names of his brothers in Matthew 13. His brother's names are James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, not the Simon and Judas of the apostles, different Simon, different Judas. And his sisters are mentioned, so he has more than one, but we're not given their names or how many sisters he had. So he has at least six siblings, four brothers and two sisters, at least six. We know that from the record. And they probably all come. I think at least uh, the brothers came because if Jesus is going to resist, they need some muscle. Uh, and they've come now because they think he's lost his mind. They say, boy, you got to come home. Boy, are they in for a surprise as long as along with everybody else at what he says. And that's where we pick it up. Verse 31 of Mark's gospel, chapter three, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. In other words, they want to see you. And then here's what he says. Who are my mother and my brothers? And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Boy, do we learn a lot from that short text. Everything in the Bible is meant to teach us. And so this statement here by Jesus is meant to teach us. He's saying something by his statement, obviously. What is he saying? And what do we learn from it? Well, one of the first things we learn, if you call yourself Catholic, now's your time to leave. Uh, and I'm, I love Catholics. I love, I, Jesus loves all people. All right. And what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that we have the corner on the market on uh, biblical truth. Nevertheless, let's let the Bible tell us what truth is, not what our upbringing has taught us and what particular denominational group we're a part of. And one of the first things we learn by Jesus' statement is this. Catholic doctrine regarding Mother Mary is in error. I'm thankful I'm not going to spend a lot of time here on this point because it's not the main point Jesus is making. But we do learn this because if what the Catholic Church teaches about Mary, her position and her character. If it is true, we ought to be offended at Jesus' response in regard to his mother and his siblings being outside wanting to see him. We ought to be offended. Why? Because the Catholic Church teaches, for example, that Mary is a perpetual virgin. Uh, Baltimore Catechism, Mary, the mother of God, remained a virgin not only in the conception of Christ, but also in his birth and during the rest of her life. Well, if that's true, who are these people standing outside wanting to see Jesus? And the Bible is very clear on more than one area. It tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters, technically half-brothers and sisters, but other children that were his younger brothers and sisters that Joseph and Mary biologically had. And so that doctrine the Catholic Church teaches is not true. He's not, she was not a perpetual virgin. Joseph and Mary had other kids that the Bible clearly reveals. 
They also teach that she was born of immaculate and immaculate conception. That's worse than the first one, the first error. That she was preserved immaculate from all stain of original sin. That means she didn't need a savior. That's heresy. They also teach that she is co-redemptrix. What? First Timothy 2 verse 5, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is no co-mediator. There is no co-redeemer. That is heresy. Martin Luther had some important things to say that got him in a lot of trouble, and maybe I'm getting in a lot of trouble like Martin Luther. But it needs to be said. It needs to be heard. And some Catholics need to make a decision on whether the church they're a part of is actually teaching the truth or not. I'll give you one more, and thank the Lord, we'll move on. They teach that she ascended physically into heaven because she completely overcame sin by her immaculate conception. She didn't have to die physically. What? Listen, none of these teachings are even remotely found in the scriptures. Apart from Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and the times that the gospels mention Mary, you don't find her anywhere else in the New Testament. But don't misunderstand. She is, please don't misunderstand, she is the blessed mother. Nobody else had the privilege she had and nobody else will. Nobody else conceived the Christ child and gave him birth and raised him as a human parent. She is the blessed mother. I do a whole message on the blessed mother. We ought to respect her. We learn from her. And nobody else has the privilege that she's had. Nevertheless, what the Catholic Church teaches in light of what I just said uh, is not true. It's not scriptural. Now, let me give you one scripture, and it leads us right back into our text. Luke chapter 11, verse 27, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman called out from the crowd. Here's what she said. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. You know what Jesus said in response? Listen. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That's what he's saying here. His statement here in no way is meant to show disrespect to Mother Mary or his family. But he's making a statement of truth. Blessed is the mother who gave you birth. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So the second thing it teaches us, the family Jesus is referring to in the statement here in Mark chapter 3 goes beyond blood relations. He's not saying Mary is not a part of his family or his siblings. He's a part, they're a part of his earthly family. But he's telling us, look, what he's talking about in terms of referring to those around him. Who, are, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my mother and sister and brother. So his family goes beyond blood relations. In John chapter 3, Jesus, in conversing with a man named Nicodemus, who was a religious leader of the day, a teacher of the Bible in his day, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can a man go back a second time and enter his mother's womb? But Jesus is speaking spiritually, not physically. 
He says, whatever gives birth to flesh is flesh. Whatever gives birth to spirit is spirit. You must be born of water and of the spirit. Water is your natural birth. That's your human parents. But Jesus said, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't matter how much you believe in God, how much you attend the church, how much you talk about God, even read the Bible, none of those things. No, unless you've been born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Which John 1 certainly bears out. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, literally the power, to become children of God. And it's the power of God that does that, not our power. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And all he means there is, well, okay, it's time. Let's have kids. Stop the birth control. And then, of course, if God blesses you, you have children. You don't want to have children, do birth control. And this is not a message on whether it's right to use birth control or not. Uh, just the point is, it's not a biological birth. Not based on somebody going, oh, let's have family. And then God blesses you with family. Children. So, Christians, those who have been born again, have an earthly family, but they also have a spiritual family. That's the family Jesus is referring to in the text. What else do we learn from his statement? That Jesus' spiritual family does the will of God. Now, hold on to that thought a minute. You could also refer to the spiritual family he's talking about as the heavenly family. Because literally to be born again, what it literally means is to be born from above. And once you're born again, you're born from above. Now, this world is no longer your home. We're just passing through, and I'm so thankful for that, especially in light of the coming November. I say don't come November. I say come Jesus. What we're talking about on this point is obviously not perfection. doesn't mean that those who have been born again don't stumble. Sometimes they fall flat on their face because we're not perfect. We mess up. Not an excuse to mess up, just is what it is. And stupid is as stupid does. And we're pretty stupid. We're like sheep. You ever studied sheep? They're the stupidest animals in the world. Oh, you say they're beautiful and we love them and love to wear them, you know, that kind of thing. They're stupid. However, let me read you what I put in my notes. The point here. Not talking, of course, about sinless perfection, but rather a recognizable direction in life, as well as deeds that are in keeping with obedience to the Lord. Let me read it again. A recognizable direction in life, as well as deeds that are in keeping with obedience to the Lord. That's what James is trying to get across in James chapter 2. In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Not what you say. Not what you say. You can talk about God all you want. No, what you do. Action speaks louder than words. I love John making it 
put it on a level in 1 John 3 that anybody can understand. Here's what he said. 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Whoever does what is right is a child of God. And he says, here's how we recognize who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Whoever does not do what is right is not a child of God. That's pretty clear. You got to be something about your life and something about your direction in life and something about the decisions you make that you're not going with the crowd. You're not following the world. You're following Jesus. And you may stumble and you may sometimes fall flat on your face, but if you're the real deal, you will get back up. You will get back up. The wicked fall and they fall into calamity, the proverb says. The righteous fall seven times and yet they come back up. Isn't that a great verse? Well, let's go to the next thing we learned from Jesus' statement. And this is a good one. I love this. Love all of them. Doing the will of God brings me close to Jesus. Let me divide that up. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. So to take the first step in the will of God, what's the first step in my life in the will of God? It's repenting and receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The most simple way to understand repentance. Repentance, here's what the words mean. Here's what the word means. I'm going this way, but I'm about to repent. And here's, I'm, I'm going to repent. I repent. I just repented from going that way. Now I'm going this way. That's what the word means. It means to turn. It's a pivot. And it's a pivot in life. I was going my own way, making my own decisions, doing my thing, but now I repented and I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so you can't become part of his spiritual family without that decision. But now, once I make that decision in life, I've repented, I'm following Jesus now. Now it's a daily challenge. Boy, is it a daily challenge to stay on the path, to stay close to Jesus. How close to Jesus do you think John Mark felt? True believer, saved man. With Paul the Apostle, Barnabas on the first missionary journey, but in a place called Pamphylia, Acts chapter 13 tells us that John Mark, for a reason or reasons we are not told, leaves the team the missionary team, the mission team, goes back home to mama. And I'll guarantee you, when he got back home, physically speaking, he was relieved. Try to hang out with the Apostle Paul. Just imagine. Be on his team. That's tough. you got to have some grit. We aren't told exactly what it was, but somewhere along the way, he decided, that's ah, enough for me. And he split and went back to Jerusalem. And he was happy, physically speaking, to be back with mama's bagels. <laughs> he loved sleeping in his own bed again. But let me tell you something. He didn't feel close to the Lord. Physically, oh man, it's good to be back home. Spiritually, what in the world have I done? You tell me how close Peter felt to the Lord. 
When the little servant girl says, you're, you're one of his followers, aren't you? I, I recognize you. I don't know what you're talking about. A second time, I, I don't even know the guy. I don't know what you're talking about. Third time, he begins to curse. Begins to curse to try to prove his point. I don't even I don't know what you blank, blankety, blankety, blank. How close do you think he felt? Oh, I, listen, I think most of us have been there, if not all of us. You had the opportunity to confess Christ, but you froze. Why? Fear, intimidation. How close to the Lord do you think Elijah felt after a tremendous victory on Mount Carmel? God is answered by fire. Uh, the false prophets uh, have been slain. And then Jezebel, this wicked woman, wicked woman. But she's got power. She's got people at her disposal. She's the queen. And she threatens Elijah so much so that Elijah, Elijah, after that great victory, he runs for his life from a woman. But she's a wicked woman. And she's a powerful woman. And she's, he's hiding in a cave, hiding for his life, running for his life. Thank God for the grace of God, that God didn't just say, well, forget you, I'll get somebody else. God comes to him in the cave. Elijah, what are you doing here? First time I taught on that years ago, I remember I emphasized the question differently at different points. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? I'll move on, but how close do you think our great forefathers, grandparents, Adam and Eve, felt after their first sin? They run and they hide and they hear the Lord walking in the cool of the day. They're used to walking with him, but now they're not walking with him because sin has separated them from fellowship with him. How close do you think Jonah felt? You see, if I'm out of the will of God, even if I'm a part of the spiritual family of God, I'm really born again. I am a Christian. I don't doubt my salvation. But, man, the challenge to daily stay in the will of God and stay on the path. And I'm talking to a lot of people this morning. And chances are there's some Christians here this morning who need a fresh commitment to the Lord. And the reason you don't feel close to the Lord is you are not all in. Some of us have strayed far away, and some of us, well, we're just lukewarm. Either way, the path back is the same for both. And I love the story of the prodigal. Don't you love the story of the prodigal son? No matter how far away you go, the father's waiting, he's longing, and he's looking every day. And he's looking for the day that you will come home. Maybe today's the day. I'm going to say one more thing about this one, and I think it's important. Doing the will of God brings me close to Jesus. And a lot of times doing the will of God, you do it with other people. Uh, this is a group in Mark chapter 3. He looks at those in a circle around him. He says, who is my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God. These men have chosen to leave what they were doing, and they follow the call of God, and now they are a team. And so many times in ministry and in the church, in the church ministry, we're a team. And sometimes it's not a positive one. What I mean by that is uh, sometimes you get sick. You're as careful. They say, don't drink the water. And when you brush your teeth, make sure you use bottled water and you do all that and you still get sick. Sometimes you go through all these physical challenges and yet, yet this wonderful thing happens despite all the suffering and the sacrifice. 
and the physical challenges you go through. You say, man, I'll never forget that because I felt so close to the Lord. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the Book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program. Also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.